Hello and welcome to the 41st episode of The Sausage Factory. This is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what the influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Centris by Timber Interactive. Samantha, who are you and what do you do? Chris, who who is anyone? How, yeah. how does one describe <laughs> themselves? Yeah, yes, hello everyone. I'm Samantha Kalman. Um, I'm an independent developer based in Seattle. Um, Seattle's my home. I grew up there. I spent a couple of years living in Copenhagen while I was QA director for Unity Technologies. Wow. So, um, I mean, I guess. I'm sorry. They've got a new CEO, haven't they? They certainly do, John R- John Riccatello. That was wow. uh, uh, pretty surprising to me, at is least. It, I mean, is it? I mean, considering we tried to do EA before it went evil again, I don't know. I never. Well, let's see. I'm. I was never on the business team at Unity, right? So okay. I uh, I trust them to do the make the best decisions for the company. Mm. Um, I, I was really happy to be contributing to Unity in the very very early days. Yes. Um, I, I found it when it was at version 1.0 something. I think it was just out of beta. Um, this was in like, gosh, I want to say 2004 or 2005. And uh, it was this Mac-only game editor tool. And um, I was using a Mac. And uh, I was learning to, to program in C Sharp. And it supported both of those things. So I thought, hey, why not try this thing out? So... I started learning to make games with Unity um, years ago. I guess that was about ten years ago. Now it's it's been it's been a season. So are and, you preempting uh, my next question? Uh, am I? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, because is the next question is how did you start making games? <laughs> oh oh oh! I guess I kind of rolled right into that, didn't I? You did. Um, Although sorry, I, I didn't I mean was... to steal your thunder. That's great. Thunder stealing is great on this show. <laughs> Happens all the time. Uh, um, okay. So, I mean, is it true? Did you start making games in Unity? Or it sounds like you started doing that way before then. Uh, technically, I started learning C Sharp through an MSDN web seminar series. Okay. Um, that was about three months before I found Unity. And that was the first real game programming I ever did. I mean, unless you count, like, HyperCard when I was, what, 12 or something? I don't count that. No, no. (laughs) That's just learning logic trees. This is perfect and great. Yeah, that was just, like, drawing stick people animations, you know, whatever. And and so, yeah, I mean, I I spent, you know, a few months learning C Sharp and trying to use this top-down shooter engine that was provided by the web series. And then um, when when I found Unity, there was no free version. In fact, there was... What, what is now the free version at the time cost $250. And okay. um, they had a two-week free trial, and I said to myself, all right, these guys talk a big game um, in terms of how great the tool is supposed to be. If I can um, port what I've done with this game, this shooter, into Unity before the trial's over, I'm going to buy it. And um, so I got started, and after two weeks, I did not have that port job done. But I was so impressed by the tools that I bought it anyway. Brilliant. Um, and over the next, you know, couple of years, I would randomly made games with people that were also on the forum. Um, I made a really bad game called Chaos Machine, which is like a controlled chaos 
like you you build a controlled chaos machine in order to like move a ball from a dropper into a goal box. Um, and I made a game called Excel Matrix, which is kind of like a absurdist game design. It's like soccer and um, and uh, shuffle shuffle puck, I guess. Okay. And, uh, and then worked for Unity for a while. Um, was very interested in music games. Um, you know, loved Rock Band, loved all the harmonics games, loved Vib Ribbon and Parappa, um, and felt like I wanted to make a music game. So I'd been thinking about this for a while. And uh, I played in my first band while I was um, in Denmark. Uh, and and that, those experiences really helped me sort of get over this, you know, this ingrained creative block that I was carrying around about, like, oh, I don't think I can actually make music. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Most people, there's that thing like, oh, no, that's, that's wizard hat wearing stuff, making, yeah. making music. It's like just... You know, don't need a pentagram on the scrap. I mean, how is it done? Who <laughs> who composes with a capital C? You know, exactly. The music it's, composition it, is generally seen as uh, was or is was is uh, as a mythical thing. I think music in particular is interesting in this regard because one, all humans are are musically inclined to some extent. It's been a yes. part of human culture forever. Yeah, since the dawn of time, right? Mm-hmm. And um. At the same time, it's so we're, our lives, our modern lives, and in, in in society are so uh, saturated with music that's highly produced and very formulaic, and um, you know, and and it, and it's very good at most of the time, and that presents this kind of like intimidation factor of like, well, if I can't do that instantly, I must not be good at music at all. And also, we get exposed to phenomenally talented musicians as well you know you, absolutely you see, there's a video out there with this pair of guitarists who do 90s dance music on acoustic guitars it's <laughs> awesome. stunning it's absolutely stunning <laughs> I, the, the, I heard uh, yeah. I heard some cover it was uh, where was this it was like at my, my naturopathic therapist right. um, and it was uh, it was like this very kind of slow like violin version of um a Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> I was like, "Is this is this Trent Reznor?" And Trent. My, my doctor was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> it was so, really good. And when you see that, you go, "Yeah, something." I, I can't. I can't. I can't. No, that, I don't. I'm sorry. No, I I doth my cap <laughs> to your brilliance. Oh my and gosh! These, you know, these are people who have been playing guitar since they were before they left the womb. Right, right. That sort of thing. And there's also sort of mythology around great musicians, right? So there's a story that, you know, they popped out of the womb with a baton in hand and were excellent from the first pen to paper. Um, And I think that that's, that's, it's an interesting heroification, but it's also a myth. It is, you're right. Look at Rocksmith. For example, oh yeah, or detract from your game. Far from it. Please don't let me do that. But no, no, absolutely. Rocksmith I think Rocksmith is, is great. Yeah. Um. You, you know. I, I mean. I think that Rocksmith, uh, in a different way from Centris, has this very clear mission to help more people learn how to be music, how yeah. to be musical, how to make music. It, it, it's an excuse to practice making music, so that over time you get better. Um, yeah. You know, I think that all great musicians are only great because they continue to practice and play. That's the um, thing. I mean, 
Jimi Hendrix was well known for playing guitar every day and he was deeply humble okay. you see interviews with him and he would say oh, I'm, I'm terrible not that yeah. he was like I'm adequate I guess I know I'm I'm, I'm okay yeah. you know he'll be surrounded by plaudits and tell him he's the greatest thing ever and he wouldn't listen he'd just like yeah I'm okay I guess that that last thing I did there that was way out of tune no it wasn't but as far as, far as <laughs> it's concerned it, it was he was you know he generally thought he was an average bloke who happens to play the guitar adequately that's yeah. you know but but no. but that also reveals a really interesting side of human nature of like the 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 most intense censor or the most intense critic always comes from ourselves. The imposter and, syndrome. And, yeah. and this also works against people who want to be musical but don't consider themselves to be musical yet. That that censor comes out right away. And, you know, this is the same thing that I struggled with. I would sit down every few months in front of Reason and I would, like, plunk out something on the keyboard and after, you know, six hours... I would say, well, this doesn't sound like the best song ever, so I must be total crap at this. And I would delete it, and I would give it up for, for quote, forever, and until six months later when I felt the itch again. Yeah. And so this, this sort of cycle of interest and then censorship, self-censorship, um, you know, it, it was this really difficult-to-escape cycle of, you know, creative blockage. Um, and when I was in Denmark, I had these friends sort of help me get through that. You know, they, they taught me this one very important lesson, which is that practice is everything. And if you just keep practicing, you know, don't throw it away forever. Throw it away for a day and then come back to it in a, in a day or two later. And if you do that enough, then you can grow and you can learn and you can do something that, you, that well, I should say that, I was able to make something that I did think was good music. And I think that that extends to everybody. I, um, many eons ago now, I did a lot of messing around because I had an Atari ST. I'm European. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> I'm apologizing you. for being t- <laughs> European. But I'm no, British. We like to apologize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the ST. It had some great games on it. But, I mean, Dungeon Master was great. But anyway... That aside, it had a fantastic sequence on it as well because it had MIDI ports. For some reason, oh, Atari wow. shoved these MIDI ports on the side of it. No one knows why. Know um, but it has built in into it that like, MIDI ports. I'm like, okay. And it could control keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> just because you just plugged it straight in. And for that reason, the Atari ST was, for a very long time, the, the computer of choice for musicians. I know. That's fantastic. Crazy, but it's just, you you know, some of the, back in the 90s in that period, they were just using STs because they had they needed nothing. All you just bought them. No adapters, right. no no expansions. That, there it is. There was no drivers because the ST didn't have any drivers. Oh, okay. It was just, well, well MIDI, MIDI is MIDI. So, yeah. like, if something is integrated MIDI, then that, like, I mean... We need MIDI USB drivers for doing MIDI over USB, but yeah. otherwise MIDI is like some MIDI-ass MIDI. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. just fantastic. And they've actually made a game out of it. You can look it up called MIDI Maze. It was one of the earliest uh, LAN games oh, cool. you could buy. But they oh, wow. MIDI as a series of switches to, to make a FPS game out of on EST. Look it up. It's amazing. There um, is a there is a, a museum of old computers um, here in Seattle that's... Um, 
founded by Paul Allen. Right. And they have, you know, they have like the, the, the computers from the 60s that take up the whole room. Yeah. But they had, they have a couple of, of Ataris there. And yeah. there was one that I was playing with when I was visiting not too long ago that was a music maker. Yeah. And that was like, you know, a really, really bad interface, but you could legitimately program in, you know, notes on a staff yeah. and then play it back. And, um, and if that's the same computer that had the MIDI, then I, you know, sending that control out to a keyboard with a better sample bank, you could make some really great stuff with that. I, there was, I totally there imagine. Was, yeah. There was some games that supported it. Um, they said, oh, wow. yeah, if, if you've got a keyboard, yeah. And you got, yeah. Plug your MIDI cable in and we'll just send all the music to the keyboard and not to your, not to the, uh, chip inside the, and the Atari, which is awful three channel. Yeah. Wobbly thing, yeah. <laughs> and it's um, sound. Yeah, I think it was totally. Called, yeah, the one it was called Evolution. The game I seem to okay, remember. Okay, okay. Um, actually, mirror. It, it was a fantastic game where you you recreated evolution from a small single cell creature to a full blown animal. <laughs> oh my god, I've never heard of this. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah stuff. That I got we did it. Over I'll here. have to look it up. Yeah, while while you were busy playing snares and Nez stuff, which is great, we oh, were yes. making crazy wild. <laughs> Bonkers games like Elite and stuff. So. I've, oh, I need to spend some time with Elite. Um, <laughs> I have not. I've heard of the legend, but I didn't get to the legend that it is myself. Elite. His his yeah. game that he made an entire universe and poured it into twenty two kilobytes of RAM. <laughs> I don't think twenty two kilobytes of RAM. That's just like it's an email. Wow. It's an introduction in an email. And he managed to make it in time. Well, apparently what he did is he made a procedural universe. And and he actually, it was, he made eight galaxies of universe (laughs) using this. Yeah. 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 And he actually limited it because he could have gone hundreds of thousands of galaxies, but he said, Mm -hmm. don't need that many galaxies. (laughs) David, that's too many galaxies. There's too many galaxies. How can we possibly enjoy all these galaxies if there's so many? There's so many. So... (laughs) I guess my next question again, you've already answered it. Your, your prescience is amazing. Well done. Are you reading the screen here? I don't know. Um, um, I might be looking <laughs> over your shoulder right now. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Um, so, uh, um, your influences really sounds like your own life yes. experiences and actually making music and not and failing. Um, so Steve Jobs said this thing at, I think it was a Stanford commencement speech he gave that was like something about, you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. And, and I see that pattern has kind of emerged in my case. Um, when I, you know, before I was into games, I was into testing and before I was into testing, I was into filmmaking and, like all of these things have kind of built on each other. So um, after I worked for Unity, I, I really wanted to make this music game. So I tried for a year to make a version of Centris then called Sen. And that's up on Congregate and it's a disaster. Um, but then that, that led me into getting a job at Amazon where I worked um, in the prototyping for the Fire Phone. Uh, and that experience helped me sort of get onto, like, learn a lot more about prototyping and then get back to work on Centris. So, uh, I mean, my interests and my inspirations have been games of all kinds. You know, I love the harmonics games, like all the all the music games. I was playing Final Fantasy VI on my SNES. Um, I was playing a lot of Street Fighter. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just like loving games. And like, I even had like Kirby's Dreamland 2 on my Game Boy, just tons of stuff. Um, and then like, it's all sort of like kind of collectively built on top of everything else into this, um, this period of my life now, which is Centris and, and my company. Isn't that, that's a great answer. I get a lot of that from other developers. Uh, what's your biggest influences? And there's a long pause and they go, other games? And it's just lovely to hear yeah. them say that. It's like, I guess, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's not, though. Sometimes I've had bizarre ones. Like, one of them was a pet. Yeah. Yes. He got yes. inspired by his dog and he made a game about his dog. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I have to admit that I was, I did have. I did have a game idea for a game starring my cat. Of course. Which is, my cat's like this white hair, long, lo- white long hair Persian. Right. And he just sleeps everywhere. He's always like moving from sunny spot to sunny spot in the house. Right. So the idea was you have a, you walk back and forth along the floor and then you can press the space bar to go ragdoll and just flop onto the ground. And you want to like spend as much time sleeping in the sunny spots as you can. Does he occasionally do the imperious pose? Do you know what that is? I don't. The imperious pose is where they, they sit on their back legs, they, they, they crouch, and then they lift themselves up their front paws, and they just oh. stare, <laughs> and they just, they just look left and right, as if they're gazing across African plains. <laughs> like a prairie dog. Like a prairie dog, like looking across, <laughs> looking like, what are you, what are you doing? There, there's no will to, no, no, this is not Africa. No, you're not... I, what are you doing? I think, I think just, if my cat ever did that, I would probably die because it would be so cute. It's just they just go back to their ancestral like thinking that right? they are this vast, huge lion with a mane and everything. I'm majestic, just, you know, majestic. And it, I call it the the imperious pose. And they're going, and I actually, you're not fooling anyone, <laughs> least of all me. Just, but I mean, sure on, cats it. are really they really yeah. are rulers, aren't they? Well, they think they are, yeah. Oh, yeah. Churchill said, dogs look up to you, cats look down on you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. pigs, pigs look straight in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever had, have you ever had a, uh, a, like a, like a staring contest with a pig? No. It's, it's probably the scariest thing ever. I did not know you could have a stick. <laughs> I know it's impossible with cats. That's just ridiculous, but. Right, right. And dogs are just too dumb. Well, they're not dumb. They're just too nice to. To want to oh, yeah. involved with that. They're just too oh, nice. Yeah. They can't Yeah, they can't do that. So they're not into that. Uh, I, I guess I also should should say that um Fight Club was one of the biggest inspirations on my teenage life. Uh, it was mental. It literally that, I think that's the speaking. It, it was I mean he's talk about mental illness. The whole film is about that. Uh-oh. Right, but but in many contexts, right? So, how much of the illness is brought on by the 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 flaws of the world that we live in? Yeah, and you know, do you embrace do you embrace yourself or do you reject yourself? And um, who you know, who else feels the same way? And how sacred is all of this? And um, and you know, like how how much to conform or not conform? Um, I think it's the perfect film um, in many ways um, but, but it's sort of like the, <laughs> so, sorry it's getting a little yeah there's a little bit of background noise here I hope it's, it's right. not, not too bad right. um, just I love the nonconformist nature of it 
And, um, and I think that, you know, I've tried to, in my own games and my own experiments, I always want to do something that's a little bit nonconformist. It's a little bit against sort of the standards of the genre or the, the known domain space. Oh, um, you've done that, but you've mixed a little bit of familiar as well, just to get to to to, to maybe go to people and go. This is fine. It's just, it's just, you're in a comfortable place. Oh God. <laughs> what, what, in what regards? I'm curious to hear. Wh- oh which, well, which, maybe we we'll talk about it later on the show. But okay. I think, All right. Let's do that. Let's do and that. we'll do that. But there is an aspect of the game that's very familiar, uh, in not in a negative way. It's just like, oh, okay, I can see. Oh, oh God. It's just like it draws you in. Mixed okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk this, about that. This is good because to me, like, I've also been fighting against the utter abstract nature of it. Um, yeah. So this is yeah. this is good feedback. This is good feedback. We'll get to it. We will get to it. So who do you most admire in, in the land of video games? Who do I most admire? Um, I have a come, lot of... By the way. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um Let's see. Um, I, I, w- I think I have to be personally most grateful to Alex Rogopoulos. Um, he, for, uh, you know, uh, he, he's a backer for my Kickstarter. Right. And um, he's provided just some, some great mentoring and support to me. Um, he's, you know, started Harmonix, which really in some ways, Centris is the game I always wanted Harmonix to make, but they never did. So I had to do no. it myself. So there's inspiration in that regard. He's done a lot for other independent developers. He's done a lot for the industry. He's done a lot. He and his company have done a lot to um, bring this vision. It's actually the same vision that we both have of helping everyone make music. He's done a lot more to, to, to achieve that goal than I have. And so that's, I find, super inspiring. Um, it's and amazing. he's just a fabulous human being. It's amazing how um, you know the rock band thing just just reached beyond stratosphere, and then mm-hmm. just fell like a thing that falls. It is the sharpest, tallest spike that we've ever seen in games. Amazing. It's, it, 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 it's sad, but it's it, just like. Well, I still don't think that we understand what happened. No, you no, know? no. It um, became. It was everywhere. It was everywhere but for such a short period of time and it's just yeah. when you look back I on mean, it no one does it anymore no one's just it's gone it was meant to be would, this thing but yeah I, I mean it, I mean, I know that there are still people that have it and still have rock band parties but it was definitely there was a zeit, there was a rock band zeitgeist for yeah. a while you know yeah and, it was um, just a frenzy and, frenzy yeah 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 um, people buying and, drum kits full-on ion drum kits and all sorts and yeah and it it made it successfully made people feel like a rock star even if they're doing you know even if they're doing poorly in the game yeah so there's something magical about it and i mean one theory is that the people that wanted to go to the next step like they bought a drum kit or they they bought a guitar or they bought rocksmith um or they bought a keyboard and then the people that, you know, sort of knew that it wasn't for them, but they, they got to have this experience of having a lot of fun and, like, having a pretend audience, like, they got to have that itch scratched in their lives, too. Um, and then maybe they were ready to, like, put... Maybe they ha- have 
maybe they felt fulfilled enough by that. Um, or maybe it was just all the moms that were like, get these instruments out of my living room. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's hard I must, to say. I must confess, I still do have them set up. Because um, when people come over, go, oh, look, I remember this. And then we would do rock band parties every Friday at Unity. Um, I think one, I think the first party that we had, one of the owners of the company was like jumping up on the table. I think at one point his shirt came off and just like, he was living the dream, you know, and just having a good time. We loved that game. Like we bought the Beatles version with all the instruments. Like we were just, we loved it. Um, but you know that was like also it feels like it's it's a different era. And it's only four, four, five years ago, maybe six. Yeah, yeah. Five or six years ago, that's when it was everywhere, and yeah. then gone. Just and, gone. And yeah, that's a. Now we've got Centris, yay! <laughs> now we've got Cent- yes, Centris will step in to fill that void. It will. No, um, but I do. I do want to mention a couple of other people. Oh right, um, okay. Shigeru Miyamoto, of course. Just hands down, um, I have a huge amount of respect for Hideo Kojima, and um, um, I'm trying to think of other designers. I've had a few. You know, I mean, Raf Koster has been. Uh, I feel grateful for him and his work. Um, uh, gosh, there's so many to name now. Um, I know. You know. When I asked this question, a lot of developers retreat, going, "I'm not answering that because I don't. Um, want, I don't want to offend anyone." But well, I'm like thinking of like everyone at that game company. Like I'm thinking of yes. Gosh, you know, I'm even thinking of people in the media that have been mentors to me in a way. Like, I, I got to meet a lot of people who were working at One Up, sort of before like this first Less huge than- round of layoffs. Yeah. You know, like Ryan O'Donnell and Matt Chandrinet and yeah. Jane Pinkard. Like all these people have been really, really amazing, uh, and and I'm grateful to know who they are and to like that they that they support me in my work. That's that's huge. That's really huge. Yeah. Well, thanks for that fantastic answer. The last question about you, then we move <laughs> on to Centris itself, and this is my favorite question because it gives me a hint as to what you're working on or what you're working on in the future. Though it really doesn't, because normally it's nothing to mm-hmm. do. With working on what are you playing right now oh man um actually the last game i played was a city sleeps the harmonic shooter um and it's great i still have to finish playing a uh, link between two worlds um which Glorious i'm loving because i was a yeah i was a link to the past kid okay um, like don't talk to me about ocarina of time because i was gonna get going the hand to- you get the hand. Um, <laughs> that's a divisive statement, I know. But I was linked to the past kid. Um, also, what am I playing? Um, I have to finish The Wolf Among Us. I've been playing a lot of Shadow of Mordor. Um, very good. Very good yeah, game. Yeah. Um, interesting little side story to this. A bit of you know, industry stuff. But I, I was looking to buy it. And I've got a PS4. And I have a PC. And yeah. I was like, oh, which one should I get? The PC version was 22 pounds okay that's pretty cheap the ps4 version was 55 pounds <laughs> so you 33 went to the pound difference <laughs> i could buy another copy you could you could have <laughs> i was thinking what so, so then the question chris then the question becomes how many copies of shadow of mordor do i want exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what was really funny is I said this on Twitter. And they said, 
oh, well, you know, you can play it with your mouse and keyboard. And I did the glib. Yes, but my PS4 controller's hooked up to my PC. And his yeah. response was, touche. <laughs> <laughs> Which it is. It's, it yeah, is. Yeah. So, it's a great controller. I have one in my bag right now. It's, it's lovely. Although the, the thumbsticks do wear away, unfortunately. They need Ooh, to I'm, fix that. Um, okay, I must not be playing enough to get that yet. No, I've had lots of people so fo- photos. Like, Look at this! In, in enraged <laughs> Britishness. Uh, do, they, do they post them right after their bent iPhone 6 pictures? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. That, that, that's, that tells me a lot. <laughs> it does. Uh, so, okay. Um, anything else you want to turn up and do you want to talk about the games you're playing or we can move on to centers? Um, let's move on. Yes, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I'm in a coffee shop, so there's a lot of ambient noise. The second developer I've had a coffee shop interview today. I'm in Berkeley right now. I I, I came over to San Francisco for uh, the Queerness and Games Conference this weekend. So I don't have my quiet Seattle office to to chat from. Sorry about that. Oh, all right. Jet-setting person that you are. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to the second half where we talk about Centris. So, Samantha, please tell us about Centris. What is it? Yes, Centris. Um, it is an abstract music game. It's a game about the joy of musical creation. I should lead with that. It's all about making your own music, arranging your own song while you solve these puzzles that involve color matching or kind of rhythm matching. Um, it's an abstract interface. So it's abstract in a way that Tetris is abstract, but it's not the same as Tetris. It is a circular interface. Um, it's essentially four concentric rings that make up a looping song. And you have a, a kind of soundscape of different instruments and different pitches of notes. Um, and you drop in these these um, these segmented circle blocks uh, one at a time, and you build up your own song one note at a time. So it... Uh, it's trying to do two things at once. It's trying to use game mechanics to uh, facilitate the creation of original music made by the player. Um, And it's trying to allow space within any given level for the player to make their own decisions about the musicality of their song with, with only that as a consideration. So think it, it, it makes space for people to think about making music in in effort of solving the puzzle and making music just for the sake of making music. Is there aspects of the game where I, I call it what are now um, basically the super hexagon effect in that mm-hmm. one must relax. Do not play the game. <laughs> Do not If you start trying to play the game, You'll actually fail. You need to just listen. 
and mm. be with this with this interface and just to that's why I found myself dithering between those two aspects and as soon as I just let go I did much better is that fair? I think it's absolutely fair I think that there's there's a there's a real magic to the game when you do sort of just let it take you where it wants to take you yes um, it it you know, it's the nonconformist in me. It defies a lot of conventions. It does. There's, there's, there's no game over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's circular. It's always spinning. It's constantly in motion. It's a lot to look at, mm. um, and it's it's even overwhelming at first. Yes. Um, and that's admittedly a problem that I'm still working on. So, um, but but the, again, there's no game over. So. No, there isn't. No. But but people, I've watched people play the game and then self-evaluate almost every single button press or every single note dropped as a mistake. So they, yeah. they, they self-impose these kinds of mistakes. If it um, sounds like um, scat jazz, they go, oh, I'm not, not doing this. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do jazz club. I'm not, I'm not, no. Just, oh, it's all disjointed. <laughs> you know, we did the worst the most horrible jazz which is yeah. there's a lot of it but the really the really bad stuff when it right. starts sounding like that you go yeah i mean that's that's a that's for me that's a failure when when it starts sounding like that it's like you know no i made jazz <laughs> i made jazz <laughs> i have um. failed in life <laughs> Now um, I just need to get a beret on and start reading poetry over this stuff, and we're done. I'm suddenly reminded of the mighty Bush. Indeed. So, um, um, well, it, it's a good point that you make that that uh, you know m- music games that we are all very familiar with work because they impose so many constraints on the player. There's always only one right thing to do mm-hmm. at any given moment, and you know, you are judged on that action, how well or poorly you do it, and you don't get a second chance to 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 try again unless you start the entire song over. Um, and and I, I from the from the get go, I wanted there to be no sort of golden path, so no perfection, no aspect of perfection to the game, and. And that requires allowing players to make some kind of music that maybe doesn't sound as good as these very rigid, very produced, predefined songs. Right. Um, and that, it turns out that that's really intimidating to a lot of people. It's jarring. Um, Sorry yeah. to use that word. It is generally unfamiliar and jarring. Right? Yeah. This is not and music. at the same this time... Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I want people to feel good about making music, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, it's definitely walking this tightrope of like, how do I keep players one creatively in control of how it sounds at any given moment, um, two, let them feel good about what they're hearing, and three, not let it possibly sound bad. Um, and these these design challenges are all really, really intensely difficult. Um, and they're not yet fully solved. The, the game is in alpha. It's still in early access. It is. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, you can get it for £14.99, everyone. Yes. I, I don't, um, I'm not sure what the US the dollars is. So it it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's $20 in the US. Yeah. And actually, I think in the in European pricing, it's a little bit cheaper on the Humble Store. Right. Um, so you can check that out, and you'll get a Steam code for that anyway. Um, so, yes, it's not finished. I'm still trying to solve these problems. And, you know, some of them are very, very elusive. Um, and uh, I, when, you know, I have, a, I have a budget for the game, and at some point I'm also learning this as an independent and as a business owner that I can't just work on this forever unless I'm doing it in my spare time and I have a day job. And I did the Kickstarter last year because I didn't want to do that. I wanted to focus on the game. And the game's benefited a lot from that focus. But there's definitely going to come a point where... I have to sort of draw the line and say, this is just what it is. This is, I accept it for its flaws. I accept it for its, for its benefits. Knowing, um, what its is, um, knowing what is good enough. Sounds like a horrific phrase, but it generally, being perfectionist <sighs> is actually counterproductive. It, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's really no such thing as perfection in creative works, right? There's only, no. there's only sort of trying at, as a creator, you have no idea what the actual quality is because right. that's evaluated by people that are looking at it for the first time or, or yeah. consuming it. And so there's only a way of trying to evaluate and understand the quality as seen through everyone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. And this is like totally, uh, totally unhelpful to me having a background in testing, right? So, yeah. Um, uh, I don't really know where where the final version is going to fall. No. Um, I should also say that for the for you know about eight months since the Kickstarter ended, um, before I moved into early access and, and sort of you know production, I, sp- I spent a lot of time building more prototypes, um, trying to vary up vary the uh, the mechanics and the the, the sort of visual design the visual language in an effort to try to find different ways of, you know, the best expression of this, of this domain space of musical expression and like, you know, making it like visually self-explanatory. And one of the things that I learned throughout building about four prototypes was that there's, there's no empirical better or worse. There's only different sort of, collections of like if i do this like i have one prototype called tide pool which uses the quadrants of the circle uh more than 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 what's in the game now Um, right and that worked really well in some ways but it works really terribly in others so it's just always trade-offs and managing trade-offs in the quest for perfection which yeah unreachable I mean, it's worth trying for, but it's also worth understanding that, you know, sometimes the best version is not the perfect version. But it's it's good enough. It's good. Yeah, it's good enough. And I'm still extremely dedicated to making the game as good as it can possibly be when it's at version one. So would it be a game as good as it could possibly be as regards to people having a sense of music composition in order to be better at centrists. Do you think musicians are better at centrists? I think that musicians are more interested in the game. Um, 
um, you know, one of my, and it's funny because my goal has been to make music making more accessible to everybody. Yes. Um, but there's still, you know, just as the, the, the thought of making music is intimidating to, to most people, uh, it turns out that playing centrist is intimidating in similar ways. Um, so I almost kind of recreated the problem more than s- solved it at this point. Um, I, I personally don't find it intimidating. Uh, oh, good, good. Uh, but, so here's the big but, I'm, I love abstract, crazy, crazy games. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I, I, I gravitate towards them because I've been playing video games for a very, very, very long time. Back and, when they were all abstract, right? Yes, well, they were all just abstract. Pong was my oh, first yeah. video game. It really genuinely was. Sounds Even cliche. Even Elite had some pretty abstract elements. Yes, it did. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, made, it didn't make a lot of sense. A lot of it. Like, why is there only one planet <laughs> orbiting one sun? Right. I, what's that? What, why is the, all the space stations? Let's say, what all all sorts of problems with the universe that was Elite, uh, mm-hmm. and there was you know many other games out there back in the day that really were little more than moving shapes. Right, uh, right. You had to, you had to draw from, and that's probably why I've I've um, I've found games like yours and Super Hexagon and stuff like that. It's just oh, glorious. Yeah. It's just... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it just feels... Um, I don't find it intimidating, but like I said, it's not it's not the norm, is it? It's not. I mean, games have become so much about characters and narrative and story. Yeah. Um, so much in the last... Thanks, gone home. Even ten yeah. years, like <laughs> even even like the PS2 had Fantavision as a launch it did. title, you know. It did. Um, but I don't think I think we lost that in like in the previous generation. It just seems to have been completely dominated by you know cinematic narrative, violent experiences. Mm. And um, but I remember when it was not that. You know, I like I love Puyo Puyo, and I love. Um, I love Tetris. Like I love, I love mechanics and I love rules. And, and so, and I mean, for some reason, I don't know why exactly, but sort of music, like the, the rules of music as music theory have been wanting to manifest in my brain as some kind of game design for a long time. And that's, you know, that's kind of what centrist is, is a, some kind of incarnation of these ideas and thoughts about, about the rules of music in an interactive and, and playful way. Speaking of um, Tetris, yeah. um, the game does have falling blocks in it. Yes. In of speaking. And, but they're pushing to the center of the, the circle. How yes. did this evolve? How did this come about? Oh, that's a great question. So, and it's actually kind of, it's, it's kind of a funny story. So um, anyone listening can go onto congregate and place a game called Sen. Yes. S-E-N. And in that, that's a version of, it's essentially the same game as, as Centrist, but in a much, much earlier state. And in that, in that game, you have four instruments, and each instrument is permanently associated with one sort of layer of, of the circle. So there's essentially four rings. It's much more of a sequencer. So each track, it's, a, it's a more of a literal track. You have the drum track and the guitar track. Right. Um, and the bass track, and each each of those instruments only sort of lives in that track, um, and that worked it as a as as more of a sequencer experience. 
Um, but I could never figure out how to clearly communicate that there was a permanent association between this one thing and this ring of another, like this one specific part of the, of a ring. Um, and so in trying to solve that problem, you know, one idea was, okay, well, how do I visualize what you're about to do? Like, how do I, how do I sort of pre-communicate the effect of pushing a button to the player before they push the button? And in that, in that regard, visualizing the shape of the block at the outermost layer of the entire circle, the entire ring, um, seemed logical and it looked good, but then but then you'd have something appearing in a place that didn't it didn't map to the, the other radius uh, of the circle. So then it, then an idea after after I shipped Sen and I was thinking about how to make it better, I thought, well, I have this neat visualization here. Like, what if it just slid into place? Like, what if it what if it wasn't permanently associated with some some radius of this ring? Mm. Um, what what if I broke the the, the sequencer? Um, uh, analogy um, and so I tried it out and it made it it made it a very different game it does but it also made it more of a game yep um, and uh, it, it just kind of I don't I don't have actually an intellectual explanation it was just an idea and uh, over time I sort of warmed up to exploring the idea and then once I did it seemed like the right thing and it just hasn't changed since. Brilliant. That's what yeah. we like to hear about. It's just that little kernel of an idea, like what, yeah. and just playing around with it. Yeah. Go, well, I've had this thing. It, it kind of works, but I don't think it's that entertaining by your own admission. And like, but it's just, they make it more interactive. Let's make it, let's just break the rules that I was so, so enamored with and just mm-hmm. let, let go. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lo and behold, you created a crazy music game with falling blocks in the center of a circle. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. That's, hey, that's, how, that's video games, right? Yes. <laughs> Do you have a particular system for breaking songs and tunes down into their component parts for centuries? Um, I and have also, a heuristic. Oh, go ahead. I mean, can you be able to play your own tune so i don't think that worked but yeah yes so i have a heuristic for level design um which is start with start with some some sort of linear song or linear loop that i like so some some sort of musical idea that works and the musical idea has to fit within the 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 sort of time allotment the time affordance that, that, that you know, the, the, the circle is a finite amount of time. So a loop should, or, or a, a melody, a melodic or a harmonic sequence or a rhythmical sequence should fit within this time. Um, and, um, and then, you know, basically put those sequences into an interactive state, maintaining that linearity. Yeah. Um, but by by abstracting sort of what is the intended you know the intended rhythmical sequence so there's some visualization of time in the blocks themselves but the player is free to break that and in fact should be breaking that at any time in service of the game 
goals. And so um, by sort of presenting the player with an idea, some kind of musical idea, and letting them um, play it back in their own way and discover it at their own pace, um, I'm, I mean, I'm, it, it's been working so far that, that people have interesting discoveries uh, as um, a result I've, of that. I've found interesting melodies cropping yeah. up. Really, I build up a, a bass line and, and then from that, overlay it with, with melody. It's quite a yeah. basic structure, I know, but mm-hmm. I love doing that. I find it very pleasing. It's the opposite of jazz. Uh, <laughs> uh, once I get that going, I'm, I'm quite quite happy. Very happy. Nice, actually, nice. Glad. I'm glad. Um, just, oh, look, look, I've, I've constructed this thing. Um, right, and, you, and how... you actually constructed it. It's yeah. authentically yours. It is. It's up there with Lego, only more, new, more musical, really. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, Although Lego can be quite musical, as we know from the film. But anyway. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> the amazing film, by the way. Um, so, so, so this is maybe a chance to talk about... So, so in the game, as it exists now, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's this one... There's a, a collection of options that anyone can use to modify yes. sort of rules of the game. I call them dip switches, because I'm an arcade kid. And um, one of them is called Free Left-Right Block Selection. And this this uh, this option is the sort of cornerstone of the difference between like the puzzle mode of the game and the free play mode of like the instrument side of the game. Yeah. So when you have this on, you can freely select um, any sound that's presented to you in the soundscape around the um, perimeter. Right around the perimeter. <gasps> um, if you turn this. that on, you can yeah you can go left and right. Um, oh. and, and select um, select blocks out of order. That's chaos. It it is more chaotic for sure, um, but it it's also it allows and and also now there's like a like a preview button so you can hear what the so, the sounds True. the That's blocks very, sound like. Very useful. That's very um, useful. Yeah, so, so that that makes it that one option makes the game just so much more expressive and personal. Yes, but it's it also, also anti jazz button. It's the anti-jazz button. <laughs> it, it is. It is also. It it breaks the game because yes. the game. The game. Yeah. What works about the game is that you know you have this area that you have to put a blue block, and you have you know five or six mm-hmm. blocks in between your current block and the blue block. So the the challenge becomes: Well, where do I put these? In that's in an aesthetically pleasing way. Yeah. Um. That doesn't sort of undo the progress that I've already made. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so I can get this this one that I need. Well, as soon as you can select that blue block, you have no challenge at all. So this um, and this one option sort of embodies like this like fundamental conflict between you know the balance of of ha- having a puzzle game that's fun to play um, so, with with challenge yeah. versus a more of a toy like musical creation experience yeah yeah which is you know it's a, it, it is actually a switch just it's turn actually that a switch off. you just click it and it's like oh now it's this hang on <laughs> yeah so a final question then um, yes the puzzle element from what I yes gather, slotting sequences or sections of the music into mm-hmm. predefined and pre-located blocks 
yes. that are coloured or sometimes not coloured. Yes. How are these plotted out? And um, do they mm-hmm. encourage the music to be of a certain form or type by their mere presence? Um, second question, yes. They do enforce some kind of musical characteristics um, on a per-puzzle per, per basis. Right. Um, so there's two kinds of blocks. There's blocks with a colorful border and blocks with a, with a colorless border. Um, and these are fundamentally different kinds of, of, of targets. That w- if they have a colorful border, then they're asking the player to put that color of block inside that area. Yes. Each color is a, a specific pitch. So if you always have to put a G somewhere inside this zone, then you're always going to have a G there in the solution. Now, the, 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 the secret that I think makes the game work in maintaining the personal expression is you have so much variability as to where you put that G. It's, it's not the kind of thing where you have to completely fill that area with just all... Have to, yeah. yeah, you just have to have the block partially present yeah, somewhere inside that area. There so is a misunderstanding it. I've found that people think, right. oh, it needs to do all of it. No, no, what are you doing? They, they would literally sacrifice other notes or the sections so they can get this perfect... Exactly. You, know, you don't have to... <laughs> exactly. But, but I've noticed that people want to do that. Like, that's the way that the visual language yeah. is received by them. Mm. And it's extra, it's extra complicated because the blocks with the colorless borders... Um, have no specific pitch that they need uh, to be satisfied, but they do have to be completely filled. Yes, that's so. The, that's the flip. This is too. yeah. This this is one of the this is one of the core remaining communication problems of the game is that there there are these two different kinds of puzzle elements that yeah. look very similar but act fundamentally differently. In one so, one key aspect. In both one really to, important aspect. Both need to be filled in some filled, but have things within them in some form. Right. But right. one has to be merely partially filled with the other entirely. Because right. one gives you free reign to put whatever you like. And it's normally quite large. Mm-hmm. I found the white ones. Whereas the, the coloured ones are typically a smaller length. Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah. Maybe it makes sense. It it, it it always makes sense once it's explained. But um yeah, it, doesn't, done job. <laughs> it doesn't explain itself. No. And that's a problem. That's a problem. So that's something I'm still working on. Without um, annotation, which is really ugly. Yeah. I mean if you uh, do that and you can imagine like big arrow, look, see this? Like, yeah. No! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what what was the first part of your question again? First part was really the puzzle element and slotted sequences, predefined blocks. How are these plotted out? So how are they um, plotted out? Right. So I always start with this. So I think about these levels as songs, and I want the songs to be good first. And once I've once I've created a sort of soundscape or interesting melody and harmony and counterpoint and rhythm, once I have all that in place, then I can look at it and and ask myself two questions. One. Um, you know, what what are the key characteristics of this song? Like, what are the most bare necessities to 
include in this song? What colors are they? What rhythms are they? And where are they?、Um, or where could they possibly be?、Um, the other consideration is that the, the, the solving of the puzzle facilitates the growth of drums. So as you match a target, you, as a confirmation, you get a drum hit.、Mm-hmm. And so, in some ways, the, the placement of the targets allows me to have a little bit of control.、Um, Of like how the song grows and becomes more exciting as the player gets closer to finishing it. So it's a little bit of a, a rhythmical consideration, it's a little bit of a melody consideration, but it's still kind of more art than science at this point of development.、Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's art.、Um, not to sound too pretentious, but I do think it's, it's a very pleasing.、Uh, A relaxing experience once you understand what you're doing. Cool. Not as the case、cool. may be. And I think that's what you're trying to aim for. This isn't, this isn't Wolfenstein, everyone. Right. <laughs> If you、right. want that, which is great,、um, that's fine. You can go and shoot your Nazis, but this isn't about that. <laughs>、uh, Unless I put a Wolfenstein level in the game, <laughs> then you, could well you, do. Can, you can do that while making music. Oh, I can't imagine how that would work.、Um, the game Centris is available on Windows, PC, Mac, and Linux, right? It is also coming to Ouya. Ouya, right. And、uh, other platforms may be announced in the near future. Work on a Steam box. I'm so sorry about that. I had someone call me and it cut me off. Oh, that's weird. Okay.、Um, well, we're back, backing up. As I say, so it's come out, it's come out on Ouya as well. It's coming it works, out on Ouya. And it works on the Steam Box, right? Yes, it works on Steam OS. Yes.、Uh, and it's out on early access right now. We've already discussed that. So, oh, yes. Go, go get it while it's, while it's not so hot. And,、uh, <laughs> you still, can play still, Centris before it was cool. Yes, exactly. Well, it's still cooking, as they say. <laughs> um,. And、uh, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for、uh, having me, Chris. I wish you the very best of luck in this and your future endeavors. Cool. And you can always keep,、uh, keep up to date at centristgame.com. Brilliant. We will do that. Awesome. Thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And、uh, if you want to email me, Any feedback on the show, or actually, you're a developer, you listen to the show, and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!